Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to call to order the final of our three-day budget marathon. I am going to invite our county clerk to take the roll and tell people how they can participate remotely, and then we'll go to our county administrator. Here. 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 If you are joining us today on Zoom and would like to participate, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you are participating by landline, press star 9 and raise your hand. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called. After your name is called, you will be prompted to unmute your device. Or if you're participating by landline, you will hear that you are unmuted. That concludes the instructions, and I'll pass the meeting back to President Moulton Peters. Great. Thank you. Matthew, for some opening comments. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, supervisors. I look forward to the wrap-up of the budget today. Just to go over this afternoon for the public, um, so I did want to point out that last yesterday afternoon we posted our final recommendations for the nonprofit community partnership program, so if anyone wanted to speak under public comment, they could do so um, based on... Um, our recommendations and there are copies over to my left of those recommendations so um, we would start off with general public comments on the overall budget uh, after that we are going to invite aging and adult services to give an update based on supervisor Sackett's uh, request uh, on Tuesday uh, then I will kind of give an overview of the follow-up items and then we will hear closing comments from the board and then ask you to take overall action on the county budget so that's our plan, and I look forward to the public comments. Thank you. And with that, we will move to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber, okay, Raleigh, uh, and we'll take chambers, and then we'll go online. Good afternoon, Raleigh Katzmann Association of Public Employees. I have, um, so I'll give to Mr. Heimel, uh, petitions for the board, for the record, from members of MAEP. Um, urging you to include in your budget money for additional um, payments to staff, particularly in the area of retention bonuses, as I've discussed with you before. We feel that in light of the significant savings you have in salary savings because of the high rate of vacancies, that you do have money that is one-time and that it's appropriate to share some of that one-time money with the people who are shouldering the burden of those staff shortages, namely the county employees. So we uh, know that the county administrator is recommending you include some additional $5 million. We uh, support that recommendation. We'd be happy if you made an even bigger number. Uh, and then if you adopt that budget, we look forward to bargaining with you about how that will be, um, uh, what exactly that form will take. And as you can see behind me, we have some members who want to address you as well on the subject. Thank you. Thank you. Next, please. I work in the um, CDA building department. Uh, we have been suffering from staff shortages for years and years. Um, the stress is such that um, bad. So uh, when I hear that you have tons of money, I just think, wow, that's, that's great. Why don't they hire more people? And it's fine to give retention bonuses, but that's not really a fix for the for the ongoing situation. I think it would be much more equitable to hire more people and spread spread the burden around uh, so that it's not being 
shouldered by, by the few that are left, and you know, a little retention bonus doesn't really do much for the stress. So I would urge you to consider um, opening more positions for people who are actually bringing money into the county. All right, thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Kathleen Kilgariff, and I'm a planner with the Community Development Agency. Some of you may be familiar with my work, uh, but you may not know the full picture. I manage the county short-term rental ordinance update, and I'm involved in coastal planning as well, managing our local coastal program amendments, including the technical edits that your board recently approved, and more importantly, the environmental hazard policies that will help our coastal villages adapt to our ever-changing climate. I am part of the county's ag team. I'm on CDA's department-wide outreach team. I also assist with sea level rise outreach and engagement. I use GIS to work on these projects and analyze data. We will soon be changing to a new program, so I need to attend classes and trainings to learn how to use this new system in order to support both my work and that of my colleagues. This is a lot for one person, and this is just my workload over the last few months. On top of this, I help new staff members when they join our teams. The county can be a difficult place to navigate. There are many unique communities, and it takes time and effort to familiarize oneself with them. Uh, there are countless plans and studies to read, rules and procedures to learn. In my five years, I've seen quite a bit of turnover. With a small staff, this can have adverse impacts on the services we provide. I'm passionate about this work, and I find it to be meaningful. If you work with me, I would hope that that's clear. Uh, but it would be great if your board could further help our staff and provide the necessary resources so that we can address the pressing issues facing our communities. I hate to say it, but this includes money. The maximum pay for a planner here is currently $147 over what is considered to be low income for a single person in this county. Um, up until the pandemic, I worked a second job at a local restaurant to support the high cost of living in the Bay Area. And I know too many colleagues who have struggled to find affordable housing nearby, resulting in long commutes and limiting their connection with the communities we serve. I encourage your board to use surplus funds to support the staff doing the work today, and also encourage you to explore ways to increase staffing in the future so that we can continue to uh, advance the county's mission. Thanks. Thank you, next please. Um, I've been with the county for around five years. I provide psychotherapy to youth under the age of 18. Um, in the five years that I've been there, there's uh, been high staff turnover. And um, I've witnessed how us as staff have to navigate higher caseloads and workloads. Um, the, currently, we still have some vacancies uh, for clinicians. And um, it's a tremendous challenge for us to manage these vacancies. Um, it increases the chances of uh, burnout, but most importantly, it also reduces the quality of clinical care provided to our clients and our youth. Um, the higher stress placed on clinicians, it um, reduces staff morale and um, increases likelihood that we uh, look for employment somewhere else. Um, I think it's important that Marin County considers um, retention bonuses for us um, since 
I think it would um, help us feel appreciated in our hard work. Um, and I think any type of financial incentive in general um, is a step in the right direction, considering that um, there's such a high cost of living for Marin County. Um, and many of us um, commute or are not able to afford living here. Uh, but if Marin County is serious about addressing the mental health needs of its residents, um, I think uh, something like a retention bonus is a step in the right direction. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. <clears throat> My name is Tom Tucker. I work for the Community Development Agency. I've seen a lot of your faces on, on Zoom. Unfortunately, it's been a been a rough few years. Um, this year, I'll be celebrating my 10th year anniversary here at Marin um, County. I, <clears throat> I love working here. I love my job. I love helping the community. My work gives me a sense of accomplishment as a public servant. Um, I get along great with my supervisors and equally with management, Matthew, yourselves. Um, um, HR, a um, lot, of, lot of friends here over the last 10 years. Um, but sometimes I, I do want to say, i got to be honest, I don't feel appreciated. Um, every contact negotiation, I've been here for three of them, is always a fight with the administration, followed by an organized effort from our union to beg the board for a cost of living adjustment and proper dis disciplinary actions um, and to keep up with medical rates, uh, I have I have four kids, <laughs> so it's uh, you know it's tough. Um, one thing I'd like to to mention is, uh, and I've I've heard this over the years that I've been here, is that um, it takes over a million dollars to um, onboard an employee, you know, training and whatnot for the. I don't know if that's for the first year or whatever, but I've heard that several times. Um, I've also heard that uh, the average employee only works here for about three years. Um, and to me, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like it makes sense. Uh, that, it seems like a lot of taxpayers' money to go into uh, to keeping employees that we're just going to get rid of or that they see another job or maybe they get training here and then they qualify for a, another job outside of the county. Um, I see my time, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let me just wrap up right here. Um, I, I, I think that the retention uh, bonus that, that MAPE is talking about is, is good. I also support a lot of the other ideas of, of retention. I think it's a, it is an issue here, and I'd, I'd love to stay here for many years. And um, Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Next, please. Good afternoon. I'm Pat Langley from St. Anselm's Catholic Church and a co-chair of the Aging and Disability Team of the Marine Organizing Committee. I was listening to the uh, budget presentation on Tuesday and was struck by the amount of funding dedicated to securing housing and resources for the unhoused. I couldn't help but reflect on the discussion MOC held with Matthew Heimel and the board over the years as we advocated for funding for the REST, the Rotating Emergency Shelter Team Program. The programs Marin has today based on housing first principles and lessons learned, 
are much more effective than the stopgap program of rest. Congratulations to all who have worked so hard to house over 500 individuals since we stopped rest. In those days, we were trying to address the tip of an iceberg with limited vision and limited funding. As part of the aging and disability team, listening to the stories shared by members of our institutions, I fear we're in the same place. Marin's rapidly aging population is proving unable to keep their housing and uh, facing increased health issues. They're going to need increased county services. The Commission on Aging recommendations presented earlier this year and the resources needed to implement them are a step forward in meeting this challenge head on. We don't need limited vision and limited funding. We need to plan right now for the programs we need to address the issues of aging and disability. Thank you. Thank you. Next, please. Hey, good afternoon. I'm Lee Lancaster uh, with the Marin County Probation Department. And it's funny because initially I thought I was going to have something unique to say that other people felt like they were, that, they, that they, they're in the same boat that we're in, not feeling valued, not feeling that important. I had a chance to uh, have Miss Sackett come into the juvenile hall a few weeks ago, and, and then I had a chance to sit with Mr. Radoni last week, sitting with some young people who are interested in their careers. So I volunteered my time to make sure I was present so kids could see what I do, why I do it, and I talk glowingly about my job in the, in the Marine County Probation Department. But today, over the past couple of weeks, I don't know if I feel the same way. I've been doing this for 20 years, and, and I've been all around different places, and people typically say, Lee, are you with Alameda County? Or are you with Contra Costa County? And I'll say, no, I'm with the County of Marin. And I always say that proudly. But over the past, especially this past uh, contract negotiating time, I felt disappointed. And disappointed is a strong word when you're working for the county because you feel like the people who you're representing appreciate you, at least the people who I've come in contact with in juvenile hall and parents that I get a chance to see who may say, hey, thanks, Mr. Lancaster, or thanks, this probation officer person, or thanks, this adult probation officer person for the work that you've done. Yet... I don't know if the county is really appreciating. So funny, I, today, yesterday, I, I, was, I was saying to myself, let me bring in a mission statement. So I brought in a mission statement because I wanted to make sure we were meeting the mission, that the county, that the probation department was meeting the mission. We're meeting the mission. And yet sometimes it feels like we're failing. And no one is expressing to us that we're failing. Nevertheless, sometimes I feel like that we're failing. I want to share this last story, too, as it relates to the probation department. I shared this with Miss Sackett when she was here, and I talked about during the pandemic how dedicated I was. I did not miss one day during the pandemic. Every day I was scheduled to show up, I showed up. Every day, not knowing what was going to happen. All of us was afraid. All of us were scared. The only, two, the only days I missed when I lost my mom and dad over the past two years. 
So the retention bonus, we, as a probation department, we would really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, one more in the chambers, and then we'll go online. Hi, my name is Claudia De La Rosa. I work as an office assistant at the Kerner Connection Center located in uh, the neighborhood of the Canal. I work face-to-face -face with the families. A lot of them, you know, are in great need, and our workload has nearly doubled within the last year. And um, I'm here to serve them, and a retention bonus would really keep me going as everyone else is struggling with this inflation that we have going and most of us are commuting we can't afford to be here in Marin County as much as we'd like and I don't want to be part of the big exodus that's you know leaving the Bay Area I already left San Francisco so I wish you guys would consider that because I am passionate about I am very passionate about what I do to the families and um, we're number one in California and I'm very proud to work with Health and Human Services I wouldn't change that for the world so if you guys would greatly consider it I'd appreciate it thank you Okay, thank you. All right, we'll go now to commenters online. I see five hands. The first speaker is Clayton Smith. Please unmute. Going on with my discussion concerning the initiation of the Fed and Health facility in July and its impact on both private and public finance, this complete centralization of financial transactability is a precursor to the advent of the Fed coin a central bank digital currency, which will bring about the end of money as we have known for centuries. One of the core features is that it will be programmable, allowing the money masters at the Fed to assign expiration dates to its usage. The immediate consequence of this will to make both public and private savings accounts a thing of the past. Instead of possessing something of substantial and inalienable value, we will have to content ourselves with ephemeral digital script whose existence and access to will be determined by the private banking cartel that will function as our social controllers. Until under this regime, social credit scores will determine who gets to do what, when, and for how long. This will be true not just for private individuals and corporations, but for governments and their agencies as well. The recent tyranny of the housing element and the impositions upon Bay Area are foretastes of what is to come. The death of money will bring with it the end of true self-determination, both private and, of course, public. All of this is to ensure the power of profit and social control demi demanded by our elites. Uh, the time for resistance is now. Thank you. The next speaker is Susanna Farber. Please unmute. Good afternoon. Thank you so much. Uh, apologies, I wasn't able to join um, yesterday or, or um, on Tuesday. Uh, I wanted to just speak also in support. I'm Susanna Farber. I represent the district attorneys, the probation officers, and also affiliated with MCNIA and with Teamsters 856. I uh, wanted to just speak in support of NAEP and the other labor organizations that are speaking um, in support of additional retention uh, incentives for existing employees um, as expected when the board and the county brought to the bargaining tables last year these recruitment bonuses we said that they would be very divisive to our 
existing staff, existing staff that have been working short staffed for many, many uh, years pre-pandemic. The pandemic just made it worse. Um, and so having to work short staff, do multiple jobs, work as a project manager through COVID, um, and then have somebody come into a position and be receiving these recruitment um, additional monies, um, it, it's divisive. Uh, and so we hope that we can find a better way to actually keep people working within the county of Marin, uh, keep people working here in their jobs and keep, keep them valued uh, as uh, important workers of the community. Uh, I wanna thank the board for uh, its time today. Uh, thank you so much. The next speaker is Rodrigo Izquierdo, please on me. I want to address this, if I may, to uh, Supervisor Rodoni, Supervisor Sachet, Supervisor Lucan. Uh, Supervisor Rodoni, you, you mentioned the other day, the, the, yesterday, that, um, that the Bolinas has gotten back their post office. And so, so I looked up some articles of what was going on in uh, Bolinas. And one of them that uh, came to mind is that there were, the Bolinas was celebrating a Latino person who was coming back to the area to help out with uh, what was going on with the Tessahara Ranch. So, uh, apparently it's being sold to some, I don't know, maybe development agency um, developer, and uh, it's going to cause a, a lot of uh, displacement of the Latinos. So the, the Bolinas residents were all in support of this person. His name is um, Jose Le, Le, Leva, L-E-Y-V-A. So I was just wondering, Supervisor Rodoni, is that why Why don't you get a hold of this guy? Because he's over there trying to uh, negotiate with the Tassahara and all these, um, and the developers to try and work something out for the Latino. And why I mention you, Sachet and uh, Lucan, is because if they don't come to some kind of conclusion, you're gonna have an influx of Latinos who have been there for decades to are gonna try and find something to live in, uh, either in the canal or San Rafael, or for you as supervisor, Lucan or Novato. Now, I think you know that their chances are gonna be you know, slim to nothing. So they're gonna be moving out and really in a very bad situation. You're talking about families who have been there forever and all of a sudden they got nothing. So why was it that you, you didn't even mention that in your, in your budget or any one of you three even mentioned them as uh, someone for housing that needs a budget? Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. The next speaker is Keith Bowden, please let me in. I'm a proud member of MAPE. I uh, work in the retirement department. Um, I also want to speak on uh, budget concerns with uh, employee turnover. Um, the problem with high employee turnover and unfilled positions for which you're paying retention bonuses, I mean, um, recruitment bonuses, uh, it lowers morale and there's a definite decrease in productivity even as we attempt to maintain uh, services, even though we're shorthanded. Um, it costs thousands of dollars to recruit and train new employees every time you lose one. Uh, it can be a, an entire annual salary or two or even more per person. Um, 
saying thanks for pandemic service and maintaining services is appreciated, but we'd like something a little more concrete uh, in the form of compensation. Um, I want to thank you for allowing us this time to speak. Thank you. The next speaker is Eva. Please unmute. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I just want to support the, the MAPE employees. I often disagree with the policies they need to, they are required to implement, um, but, but I support their efforts and I'm grateful for their hard work. Um, I do want to point out uh, the MOC leader who spoke, um, it uh, was not quite um, forthcoming. Uh, a lot of the numbers that are being cited about how many people were, re were actually housed are, are questionable, and uh, Marina Organizing Committee, I have to note, uh, made zero protest about the um, police-run homeless internment camp under the freeway where they were holding elderly, uh, disabled, and medically vulnerable um, people, including uh, some military veterans. Um, and I begged them many times to speak up about that, and they refused to. I was told this week that they they refused to because I, I hadn't been sufficiently uh, blight them. That that should not be a requirement for them to do the right thing. Um, and uh, I want to point out that no one from MOC has come forward and uh, raised any objection to the increase in public safety uh, monies uh, in this budget. Uh, that is particularly concerning because it has been kind of a, a liberal theology that all we have to do is give the police more money and more training and they'll do better and, and just throw in some civilian oversight, which you're spending a lot of money on. Um, but I need to point out that civilian oversight uh, has failed in every city, every jurisdiction, every county where it's been implemented. We just had the 24th death in less than six months in, in Los Angeles, uh, custody, in custody deaths. Um, and it looks like you really tried to uh, memory hold the entire civilian oversight process here. I had to CPRA the recordings. I only got four of the 12 recordings. Um, the Thank rest, you, Eva. We're you're at claiming time. a technical glitch. There's also considerable. We're at uh, time. Okay, thank you. We'll bring it back. I see two more speakers here in the chambers. Please come to the podium and make your comments. Uh, good afternoon, Board of Supervisors. Elizabeth Rodriguez, uh, Public Assistance Eligibility MAPE. Uh, I'm here in support of, um, of the budget to rec uh, for you to consider uh, to do incentive to, uh, to, I'm trying to, <laughs> sorry, uh, to, to help employees stay here so they don't go and they don't leave Marin County so they stay here so we are staffed properly so we also can support the community because Although the community needs support from us, you know, after a pandemic, getting back together, you know, go ahead and bringing back those services that the county does provide, our staff also needs, our employees also, they need help too. They, you know, they're living outside this county, they're commuting, they're working here, they're supporting our community. And it's important to, you know, to let them know that we want employees to be here for the long term because as another member did mention, it does cost thousands of dollars to recruit an employee, to keep him. So for them to, for us to spend thousands to bring him here and then they end up leaving in the next couple years, you know, it, it's a disservice to the community, to the coworkers, 
we want long-term, we wanna be able to see, when you say the fruit of our loins. So I do hope that you consider retention if it's one time or gas, everything is increasing for the employees, for the community. Uh, you did uh, bargain with us in, uh, during equity and bargaining last year, so we do thank you for that. So something along the line to support all the employees so we can continue to provide services to our community, which is you know what we are here for overall. And um, I thank you for your time today. Thank you. Next, please. Good afternoon, board. Uh, my name is Erica Butler, and I am also an eligibility worker in public assistance. I work specifically in the foster care unit, um, and I am a MAPE member, and so I'm here also um, in support of using um, some of these incentives for to give back to our employees. Um, I work in a unit that's I can't even stress enough how understaffed um, we are, and there's a lot of stress for our unit specifically in serving the foster families in Marin County. Um, I'm sure you guys hear from parents in the community um, when we have things go wrong, and there's, um, I, I can't stress, like I said, we have, we're very understaffed, and so supporting to get resources for our units to our um, employees and to retain them would be monumental so we can better serve our community and continue to serve them the best that we can. Um, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna close the comments. Thank you to everyone who commented and I'm gonna turn it back to our county administrator. All right, well, supervisors, if I could just uh, respond a bit to public comment. Um, you know, I, I do, I wanna say that we appreciate our employees and we have shared interests and concerns with them. And personally, well, I know how much your board thinks of our employees, but personally, I have nothing but respect and admiration for our employees and the dedication that they show. So it, it is hard to hear if they, they, don't, they don't feel uh, supported, but I just wanna let you know, to let them know for those who are here today that, uh, you know, I do appreciate everything they do on behalf of residents. Um, um, and I, I think the budget, uh, from my perspective, is responsive to what we heard from the unions as we started to develop the budget in March and April, where they were asking for additional uh, one-time incentives. And so uh, the budget includes $7 million worth of one-time uh, allocations directed toward our em employees. It includes $2.5 for the July retention bonus that we had previously agreed on. It includes two and a half million that I think, as I said, is responsive to MAPE's request earlier in the spring about uh, additional one-time retention uh, options. And we look forward to further discussions with MAPE and our, all our unions on, on that matter. And then it also includes $2 million for workforce housing for county employees and looking for opportunities to create affordable workforce housing for our employees. Um, on an ongoing basis, it includes $500,000 for enhanced benefits, such as uh, reimbursement of dependent care, and we certainly look forward to meeting with our unions uh, as soon as possible, really, in July to start talking about how we can reach agreements on those enhanced benefits prior to open enrollment. And so, um, so we look forward to further discussions and hope that um, they see that um, you know, this budget is responsive to what we heard from them earlier in the spring as well. Mm -hmm. 
Matthew, um, could you also just give us an update? Um, because what we're hearing, it's not just about compensation or retention bonus. It's about getting vacancies filled and mm -hmm. um, making sure the workload fix, fits the um, workforce. So yeah. could you speak to where we are with that? We did have a presentation back in March uh, yeah. from HR, but I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, I think we spent, we start, started last spring um, around recruitment and retention, and at that point we had 14.5% vacancy rate. Um, we really focused on trying to streamline our appointment process, um, and uh, we have had some improvements. The last uh, count was at 13%. Um, and as we shared in the spring, unfortunately, this is a reality that all Bay Area employers are seeing around the great resignation. However, we are, you know, starting to stabilize and showing some improvements. Uh, we are, we have focused now onto the retention discussion, and that's why you're seeing some of the uh, the items in the budget around retention around dependent care because that was something we heard from uh, county employees around you know the importance of having reimbursement for dependent care coverage and elder care coverage um, and then um, as I said the additional one-time retention incentives uh, we don't have an agreement on that but we look forward to further discussions and there's two and a half million available to program yeah. thank you um, Matthew, was there something now on the nonprofit partnerships? Yes. Final recommendations? So, if, if you're ready yeah. for us to move forward uh, with the wrap up, I did want to point out and really would ask for a motion from your board since it wasn't initially included in our proposed budget. Um, uh, the recommendations that uh, have been submitted online and are available to my left uh, for the $950,000 for our nonprofit partnership program. It's responsive to the feedback we received from your board Tuesday afternoon. For a motion and a second to, okay. Is, is there someone who would move this? I will move approval of the nonprofit partnership uh, allocations um, as included on that handout. Okay, thank you, Supervisor. Second. Thank you, second. Uh, I'm gonna call for public comment on this. I'm not seeing anyone in the chambers. We'll go online. President Mullen Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, we have a motion, Luke, and a second. Rodoni, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you, Matthew. That carries. Okay. And, and then the, the next uh, opportunity is I wanted to have, invite uh, Benita and Carrie up uh, to give an update on our aging and adult services program. Good morning, board members. Benita McLaren, Director for Health and Human Services. Oh, excuse me, good afternoon. I want to say thank you for this opportunity to come back to, uh, and give you an update today. Uh, just a few words I'm going to speak, and then I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, um, Carrie, uh, uh, Carrie Bowerman. Um, for most of us working here in Marin Health and Human Services, we feel very fortunate to do the work that we love, serving and helping others. I'm proud that we're able to offer many diverse services and with an equity lens to our community. I'm proud of our great staff and many of them, some of them you saw today. We're proud of the great work they do. We're proud of our many positive partnerships, relationships, and collaborations in the community. 
Our mission is in HHS is to promote and protect the health, well-being, safety, and self-sufficiency of all Marin County residents, and we work hard every day to fulfill that mission. HHS goals and priorities are in line with the Board of Supervisors' goals and pri priorities, and we feel fortunate to serve the people of Marin because we love all people, and we serve all people with a heart uh, to do that. Putting people first and helping others to flourish is our vision. Right now, I'd like to turn it over to Carrie, to get Carrie Bowerman, to give, uh, excuse me, Carrie Bierman, uh, uh, Carrie Bierman, to give us an update on our aging services and what, um, from what we've uh, heard in February. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Benita. Good afternoon, board. The Health and Human Services Department agrees with stakeholders that older adults are the fastest growing segment of our community and that we need to find ways to address their emerging needs. In addition to increasing in volume, the population is becoming more diverse and more complex. The pandemic was a huge eye-opener where we witnessed many people who were not previously part of the safety net population becoming dependent on county services literally overnight. The integrated aging study affirms in many ways that we are moving in the right direction by focusing on and prioritizing the older and disabled adult population. It also offers recommendations and opportunities to help position Marin County to be even better prepared for the changing aging demographic that is already upon us and will only continue. The report recommends five change areas. So those are to create a structure that can better prioritize the needs of older adults, to make focused organizational changes to enhance the well-being of older adults, enhance program delivery for older adults, make changes within county offices, departments to improve the lives of older adults, and to enhance the county's capacity for change. So while there is quite a bit of work to be done, we have already made substantial progress in each of these areas. Several of the items in the proposed budget that your board will be voting on this afternoon are in direct response to the integrated aging study. In the interest of time, I won't do an exhaustive list, but I'll just highlight a, a few of the things that, that are happening. So in, in the proposed budget, there is $200,000 annually to fund a permanent position to support age forward. And as you know, this is an initiative that works with all the county departments and strives to look at ways to make all the county departments more age-friendly. $234,000 for the West Marin Collaborative um, in partnership with the West Marin Fund. This is to look at ways to support community-based organizations that serve older adults specifically in West Marin, recognizing that the cost of doing business is higher in an area that is more spread out with less transportation and provider resources. A position is being recommended to help IHSS recipients with mental or physical impediments to maintain caregiver support through the IHSS public authority. And then $220,000 to support some important one-time investments. And I'd like to highlight one that we're most excited about, which is funding for ageism and ableism training for all county staff. Many departments in the county, not only HHS, interface with the public. And our current Marin County population of those 16 older is 29%. Ageism and ableism training will allow county, county staff to examine and hopefully eliminate <coughs> any personal bias that can, get away, that can get in the way of optimal service delivery to this population. 
Um, some other investments are funding the Commission on Aging for the very first time so that they'll have a, a budget to help with um, support, planning, events, and trainings, and also the development of a How to Age in Marin guide that can be utilized by older adults and their adult children and family members um, for planning for the future in Marin. Also, as it was discussed on Tuesday, the living wage is recommended to be increased to $18 an hour, which will at minimum increase the current IHSS wages from $16.95 to $18 per hour in 2024. Um, as Matthew stated on Tuesday afternoon, union negotiations um, with IHSS providers will happen this summer. In addition, there are some non-budget related initiatives underway that are worth mentioning. Health and Human Services and the Marin Community Foundation plan to co-convene a gathering so that stakeholders can analyze and problem solve the issue of adult day health in Marin, and that's following the, the closure of Lifelong. Across the Ages work is underway as the person who oversees both the older adult population and the children family services population. I've convened a group of older adult advocates and children family advocates, and we meet on a regular basis to discuss cross-cutting issues. Senior leaders in Health and Human Services are now being more deliberate about ensuring their presence at meetings related to aging and dis disability such as Commission on Aging meetings, Maddie meetings, and the Commission's Older Adult Subcommittee on Housing. Having a regular presence goes a really long way in enhancing communication and collaboration. Dr. Todd Shermer, our Behavioral Health Director, was featured last month at the Commission meeting and had a chance to give an overview of all the supports and services in place for older adults. These services make up 19% of their overall budget even though older adults only comprise 13% of the local Medi-Cal population. Older adults are a major consideration in our discussions on Cal-AIM, the historic transformation of Medi-Cal that's underway currently. We continue to prioritize older adults when it comes to CalFresh outreach and breaking down stigma and other barriers that prevent people from applying for needed nutrition benefits. Medi-Cal expansion to older adults, regardless of residency status, which took place last year, um, is, is happening and is an exciting transformational change. Um, our eligibility workers have worked really hard helping older adults apply for these essential benefits without fear or confusion that can come along with interfacing with, with government uh, for those in undocumented status. Uh, focusing on employment and training services for older and disabled adults. So Supervisor Rice, you, um, you raised a really important issue, I thought, on Tuesday that in addition to caregiver wage, there, there are other factors as well. And an employment pipeline is, is one of those factors that we really want to make sure that, that people are, are getting that, that sort of support. Um, so we offer employment services specifically to those in the safety net population, so people who get Medi-Cal and CalFresh. Um, we help them with employment and training. And then we also make referrals um, for general people in the community who also need that, that type of support. Our HHS mobile unit, our, our van, is also planning to bring employment services more widely and deeply into um, the community in Marin City, in West Marin, and other parts of the county. Um, a couple other things, Marin has joined with two other Bay Area counties to support state legislation to bring more case management dollars to Marin, and this is for older adults who don't qualify for Medi-Cal, but they still fall into that category of having financial need. Um, ongoing disaster preparedness response and recovery efforts continue to be 
uh, we continue to prioritize our older and disabled adult population because we know that they're most vulnerable in the event of these types of natural disasters. I also wanted to say that being aware of the intersectionality that goes along with our racial equity efforts um, is very important as we strive to be anti-racist. The same strategies can also help us become anti-ageist. Finally, um, HHS will be adding the Division Director of Aging and Adult Services to the HHS executive team, and that will be happening on July 1st. This is our senior leadership team, and we meet regularly to ensure that all department programs are taking an integrated approach um, to providing effective services. And in addition, older adult advocates and stakeholders are now invited to, to join the team meeting every first Monday of the month to provide ongoing opportunities for dialogue. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just the beginning. HHS and the County Administrator's Office will continue to work with the various stakeholders on future initiatives and priorities. Uh, we'll work on providing a more comprehensive summary of all the supports and services for older adults across HHS and the county. And we will continue to assess the existing department structure to ensure that services are being provided effectively and efficiently for people of all ages here in Marin. So I'm happy to respond to any questions. I just want to say that I want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, give this update, and I'm really proud of, of Carrie uh, uh, Bierman, and she is, you know, has a uh, background in aging adult services, having been an aging and adult services director herself, and now our very capable and award-winning, actually, um, director for social services. So thank you so much. We we're happy to take any questions. Thank you both. Uh, Mary, you want to I don't have questions, but comments. Is that is now the appropriate time for that? Okay. Um, so thank you very much, Dr. McLaren and Carrie. I um, would love a copy of, frankly, the list you just read because it's it was really helpful and comprehensive to understand what we're hearing in the community and what is happening. And to me, it also illustrates what a complex um, system <laughs> it is. I know that there's tons of work within HHS in various divisions and departments, and then we have a multitude of CBOs um, that are working in this space as well. And I struggle to, main, to stay on top of who is supposed to be doing what and et cetera. Um, and so kind of what, it, looking at the strategic plan that came out, et cetera, I really hope that we can continue our efforts to align our vision and our work because I think everybody has the same idea of supporting our older adults, which we know is not a static need, that it's really a long continuum of many years and ever-evolving needs um, at, um, each year. Um, and so I hope that our... Commission on Aging can become that place where we work together to come up with what our next steps and so forth are. And I really appreciate leadership, Dr. McLaren's willingness to step be in those meetings on a regular basis or somebody else from senior leadership. I've had great conversations with Diana Lopez and Chris Samos and um, Salama Locks recently about you know, their engagement on the commission, but I hope that we can use that as one of the places to bring these voices together so that we can figure out where our gaps are and also go further and faster and, and 
to be perfectly candid, it's it's hard for me to stay aware of who is even the acronyms, frankly, <laughs> I will confess. Um, and and I feel that if that if I can't figure it out, then certainly somebody trying to navigate the system is also going to struggle. So I really appreciate, you know, the the emphasis on um, care navigation county services navigation, and I really think this ageism and ableism training of the entire county workforce will open our eyes of how we can help help folks who are looking for services navigate, um, warm handoff if we're not the right door to, to another place. So thank you so much for the comprehensive list and for coming back and um, for the continued work. And I also, also want to thank Daniel Del Monte, who's I know stepped in to work with the organizations and so forth. I think it's great that we have part of the CAO team um, really focusing on this as well. So thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you, Carrie and Benita. Appreciate the update. Carrie, I may have missed this, but I wondered if you could talk a little more, bit more about what I thought was the most important part of the report was that our future citizens who are going to age are gonna be lower income, mainly Hispanic, and how do we plan for that? Because I think it's crucial we start doing that sooner. So all the things that I think you listed, I see that as meeting more immediate needs. So I wonder if you could just talk about that future planning for that group that we know that's coming, they're gonna have less resources and need more help. Yeah, I think it's an excellent point and that's something that we're, we're very thoughtful about and always thinking about um, in a variety of ways. Um, you know, I couldn't be more pleased that everybody is um, in the older adult population is now eligible for Medi-Cal regardless of residency status. So I think that's been one of the biggest steps forward. Um, we're not fully there in enrolling all the eligible people. So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of barriers. Um, you know, we, we do as much outreach as we can to break down stigma and fear and confusion, but that still exists. So, so that's a really important piece. Um, I think our staffing, you know, continuing to hire bilingual, bicultural staff and training them um, is, is really critically important. Um, I think, yeah, just, just analyzing the, the needs of, of the immigrant community. Um, I chair the Immigrant Rights and Justice Work Group, and that's a collaboration that happens every other month, and people from the county and the community get together and have these conversations, these cross-cutting dialogues about preparing for the future um, for the entire immigrant population. One thing I wanted to add, uh, Supervisor, um, Carrie and I have a lot of conversations since the adult um, daycare facility closed and as a person myself who uh, even just today um, struggles with getting care givers for my um, aging parent um, this is an issue that is going to be really strong especially for people who can't afford daycare or can't afford caregivers uh, in the future and so I think this summit that's coming up is really a good first step in really thinking about the future of how do we how do we uh, find solutions to those kinds of issues? So 100% we're looking at um, different things that are gonna be affecting our, our uh, communities of color and our low-income communities, our most vulnerable communities. We're gonna be looking at what are those things that are coming up. And we welcome hearing from folks that can help us identify some of those challenges, especially for those uh, communities that you mentioned. So thank you.
Hey, I'll just add to uh, what my two colleagues have said. You know, co no surprise, COVID really created additional need throughout the county at all ages, and it put additional pressure on all of our resources. So the, the, the situation with our um, wonderful senior population, of which I am one, uh, is one of the uh, signs that we're seeing, but certainly not the only one uh, across our communities. There's greater needs everywhere. And so what I've observed is that this really is the time to revisit what we're doing, to um, make, look at uh, the services we're providing. Are there any gaps, as you had said, where are we duplicative? And, and really kind of, uh, you know, sharpen our focus now on service delivery. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for the direction we're going. I appreciate uh, Terry Dowling and Diane Lopez and my own uh, Commission on Aging uh, Commissioners. Uh, for bringing this to our attention because it, it does sharpen our focus. I think where we go from here, what I'd really like to see is an integration of what we're doing at the staff level, at the Commission on Aging with the recommendations uh, of the Integrated Aging Study. Let, let's really put all this together in a, in a way that is comprehensive and coordinated and gives us um, more resources and with a sharpened focus. Uh, so I, I see it as an opportunity to, to um, kind of up, uh, update what we're doing and take it several steps forward, and I think that's what we've been asked to do. So just a great foundation, and I'm looking forward to seeing the progress that we all make together. So thank you for that. I think if there's no other comments, well, I'll thank Benita and Carrie for your comments and your update, and uh, we'll move forward now with uh, a summary of where we've been and what we've covered and what this budget, the highlights are from our county administrator. Thank you, Matthew. All right, uh, thank you, supervisors. And so as we close our presentation of this uh, proposed budget, um, I wanted to kind of give a, a big picture overview of the budget. I was thinking this morning, it's hard given all the testimony you received to really get a perspective on the overall budget. There's so much there. Um, I did once again want to thank the county team uh, that put it together. We take uh, this responsibility to put a thoughtful budget together very seriously. Um, and I was thinking there are kind of two, um, two ways that, that we evaluate a budget um, in, in a big picture way. One is, is it financially responsible for the long run? And um, you know, we're certainly seeing the, uh, the effects of an economic slowdown with budget de uh, deficits at the state level, uh, at county level, and um, at, at some of the local cities as well. San Francisco, Oakland, Alameda County, and some of our local cities have all experienced budget deficits now. Um, I think we're fortunate not to be in this situation, partly because of your board's discipline to make sure we were spending historic levels of one-time money on one-time purposes, but also because we have a stable revenue base uh, that's based on property tax, uh, so that, that helps us as well. You know, our goal has always been to avoid a boom or bust cycle uh, with our budget um, because that really impacts our residents and our county employees. If you're going from one year to the next and oftentimes there are reduction scenarios that may or may not uh, uh, happen, but it takes your focus away of delivering services. And so we take a lot of pride in, you know, if we bring an employee on that we're going to have the funds to cover those services on an ongoing basis. And I think this budget does that. It's structurally sound. It prepares us for future uncertainty. Um, 
it maintains and increases our stabilization reserves. Um, on Tuesday, we talked about there's $29 million worth of stabilization reserves. If we had a recession, uh, those are uh, available for your board to consider. This budget adds to our state budget reserve by $1.2 to bring it to $7 million um, because we're especially seeing some vulnerability in the state budget situation and could certainly see that turning to the worst uh, going forward. It also uh, continues our commitment to pay down unfunded retiree obligations. And so this budget includes $7 million uh, to pay down uh, retiree health. That's taking the uh, projected savings from our pension system into our retiree health system. We currently have a balance of $160 million in our retiree health trust. And the benefit of, of doing this means that we won't reduce services in the future to pay those obligations. So, you know, so we believe this budget is responsible, uh, financially responsible for the long run. Uh, the second question we ask is, does the budget and on the work plans in our budget meet our mandates, continuously improve service, and make progress to address our top priorities? And, and this budget does maintain our current services and I believe does allocate our funds towards our top priorities. Now that doesn't mean it solves the challenges of all our top priorities, but it does move the dial in, in that direction. And so for example, on affordable housing, your board adopted a housing element in January. Uh, over the last few months, we've added $12 million to our housing trust. We've allocated over $10 million of our housing trust to maintain affordable housing. And we, in this budget, we make a commitment to fund $20 million over the next four years from our, uh, from our general fund. Uh, in terms of homelessness, over the last two years, we've uh, committed over $30 million to home key uh, projects. And what we'll see is the benefit of that coming online over this next year to house the most vulnerable um, and to stabilize them in a, a home. As far as infrastructure, you know, <clears throat> that's been a longstanding need of ours. Um, this year allows us to invest $30 million in Civic Center and the BMA, not just to replace systems, but to modernize our existing systems to be more energy efficient and really help us over the long term. It also, uh, the budget includes $17 million for our road program, um, and that's inclusive an additional $2 million boost because of some of the storm damage we saw. Um, as far as racial equity is concerned, our central focus has really been to apply a racial budget equity uh, lens to our entire budget, and, and that we will continue to do that going forward. Uh, we're in the process of implementing $2.5 million worth of, worth of department BCPs that were allocated last year, and this fiscal year we'll be allocating $2.5 million through our participatory budget process um, to, to our community. In the area of climate change, your board has invested $8 million of the ARPA funds. Uh, the first $5 million leveraged over $20 million more in other funds. Uh, this budget allocates 1.9 of the next 3 million and then keeps 1.1 available to leverage future funds. Um, in the area of emergency response, this budget includes two additional fire crews. Uh, it includes the transition uh, from sheriff to fire department. Uh, the Office of Emergency Services, not, not simply the baseline level, but an, an enhanced level uh, with additional staffing, so $2 million 
in uh, fire uh, is for emergency services to really reflect the, given the, the higher frequency of emergencies we're seeing given climate change. Uh, in the work plan with fire, we're working to create a fire countywide fire dispatch, which will enhance those service levels for our fire departments. And as we talked about on Wednesday, we have $16 million set aside for fire facilities pending the San Geronimo review um, of that property and how that could serve as a headquarters for fire going forward. It, lastly, in the area of recruitment and retention, um, you know, we really recognize we can't um, s respond well to the community if we don't have talented employees to do so. Uh, and so this budget uh, allocates $7 million in one-time money towards retention incentives, uh, as well as $500,000 uh, towards uh, ongoing reten uh, retention benefits. And I said $7 million, and I really should break it into $5 million for one-time retention and then $2 million for workforce housing for a total of $7 million, as I talked about earlier. So I think, you know, I think this is a, a, a really good budget. Um, we, we know that there's ongoing work. Um, as we talked about Tuesday, you know, the issues and the challenges never settle up on one particular date. And so we went into this knowing that there were going to be follow-up items. And just to go over a few of those with you, um, so um, as, as we said earlier in response to public testimony, we, ne we know we need to meet with our unions to negotiate uh, benefit enhancements ahead of the open enrollment um, for the money that we've set aside. Um, in the area of IHSS wages, we know that we need to work with the authority um, to negotiate those wages, and as has been the case the last several years, we are certainly open to uh, going above the living wage uh, in those discussions, but need to wait and hear from the unions and what they might be asking for as well. Um, we are working with CDA, HHS, and CAM, our community partner, around a transition plan to the end of the federal and state rental assistance program and we'll come back to your board to give updates to that as we do, do a little bit more work in that area. Um, we're following up with the Juvenile, juvenile Justice Working Group, uh, working with um, Supervisor Lucan, Supervisor Sackett. Um, we'll be bringing that group together this summer and really anticipate that group going probably well into the fiscal year um, in discussions around overall long-term how we're providing juvenile justice services. Uh, as you heard this afternoon, aging and adult services, we've made a, a good start, but there's still more discussions to have, and, and so we're certainly looking forward to that. Um, the DA's office, we um, are jointly uh, working with the DA around an organizational assessment and, you know, certainly uh, commit to working with her on her ongoing staffing levels as we go through. Uh, working to make sure she's filling her vacancies and then having discussions beyond that. Um, the last thing is, is that we pointed out that we, we will be getting the results of a community survey, which will serve a, the foundation of a new strategic planning uh, effort. Uh, and we, we anticipate coming back to your board late summer, early fall with the results of that. And so that's kind of a high-level overview, and happy to answer any questions and look forward to your closing comments before you take a vote on the budget. Questions from my colleagues? Of course you can. Uh, Matthew, on the um, community survey and the strategic 
planning process and actually develop the development of um, our next budget, which doesn't start, I know, next March. I'm just wondering if you could um, uh, talk a little bit about how those, those three things will relate and you know, how the community survey and strategic planning uh, might inform our next two-year budget cycle. Well, my initial thought is, you know, so first of all, we're not a blank slate, right? So we've had, um, we've had a, uh, certainly priorities, um, and, and I think what we will find is that our existing priorities are, st are still relevant, and then there might be new things that we consider based on the results along the way. So my, my thought is that our next two-year budget will be informed by what we hear from the survey as far as priorities. It will certainly be informed about our pre-existing work around racial equity. We mentioned on Tuesday that we would be rolling out that racial equity uh, budget tool to all departments, and I think that would be a, a foundation for our next two-year budget as well and the discussions around it. Um, and then uh, probably uh, you know, in, in the spring, there would be uh, more of an initiation of a longer-term strategic planning effort. So I think we're gonna have to go parallel um, you know, as we develop the next two-year budget where we're mindful of what might be included in the new strategic plan but not waiting for it because we need to make progress uh, while we develop it as well. Mm -hmm. All right, that brings us to closing comments and I'm going to give the order for the supervisors. I'm gonna start with my colleague and vice chair, Supervisor Radoni, followed by Supervisor Rice, <coughs> Sackett, Lucan, closing myself. Okay. Uh, thank you, Matthew. A really good summary of the, the takeaways or the follow-ups. Um, this is my seventh budget, so I think I've learned to be a little briefer and to the point <laughs> in my closing comments. But I first of all want to respond to some of the employees that came here today. You know, it was important to me to make recru recruitment and retention a priority uh, for this county and this board. And I think we are making good progress. And I, I just think sometimes we talk about retention, but we don't talk enough about the recruitment side mm -hmm. that we're working on to, to make sure that we fill those positions that are really, really crucial for us to have filled for our, for our residents, but also for our employees too. Um, I wanna thank uh, Matthew and his team, the budget team in particular, and all the departments for their hard work on the budget. Uh, we have the luxury of a balanced budget again, but that reflects a, uh, you know, all of us doing our hard work to have this balanced budget and to have the reserves that we do and, and complement boards even before me that really set the stage to have these reserves. Um, specific to the budget though, I do support, strongly support the $18 an hour IHSS workers um, uh, proposal and really hope that through negotiations, we're able to take that to the max in January to 1876. That uh, seems to be the max that we're comfortable with at this point. Um, I encourage and recommend the work with Community Action Marin for the glide path, as I call it, to end the rental assistance program. And I hope that we're able to figure out a way to extend that program, <clears throat> at least the uh, closing of applications, which are now projected to be June 30th, to maybe go to September 30th and find some extra funding to be able to do that. Um, the reason I think this is important is there's still a lot of people 
in our community that are recovering from COVID and are struggling with paying the rent. And just this last week, the IJ had an article, nearly a quarter of rent households lack the income for a decent standard of living, according to a report by United Way, and that was June 19th. So there's still a lot of people that are struggling and helping that uh, rental assistance program be extended. I know it has to end. I know our contract goes to the end of the year, but I think finding a source of funds to do that, and I think if my recollection is right, Matthew and Josh told me that we actually have $1.27 million of uh, one and two year ARPA funds that aren't dedicated to anything yet and may be available for that source. So I would start that discussion off from my perspective with including that funding for uh, additional rental assistance. Um, I really appreciate the additional aging funding that's in this budget and really uh, applaud the work that's being done on the aging front and, and, re and the recommendations in the aging plan that we heard earlier this year. And I think um, continuing to work with all our partners is a priority to make sure that these priorities are addressed and hopefully in the new budget year, as we move forward in this budget year, we hear those recommendations. I wanna congratulate the Race Equity Action Plan and team for the work that they've been doing. They've made great progress. And, and again, congratulations to, to uh, Jamila and her team. I particularly support the recommendation that they made and I'd like to bring back an ordinance to this board prior to January 1st, establishing an $18 an hour minimum wage in unincorporated Marin. And with the uh, yearly increase to match the 2033 recommendation of 2475. But I would add something to that. We need to have an inflationary cause in that too, so that as we increase that, we gain ground, not lose ground because of inflation. So I'd love for staff and the county council to come back with that ordinance before the end of the year so it could take effect in January. Um, thank you to Dan and, and his team for the continuous improvement update. I still have a concern that the county is not hearing from our most disadvantaged residents and hope that we, <clears throat> one, recognize that and continue to improve. Um, through my office hours and community conversations, I often hear many, many different subjects from these our disadvantaged communities that don't reconcile with what we're working on. And because some of those things are still very basic to them, street lighting and garbage service and, and making sure that those, those communities have those needs met. So I just wanna caution us to make sure that we're reaching out as far and wide as we can and get as much uh, input from our community as we can. Um, I'm really pleased that we're taking a, a huge step in funding our infrastructure with the $30 million of input. And I would um, like soon to start working on that next three to six year uh, period, our planning period, and really focus on how we're gonna address the fire infrastructure needs and other additional needs at the Civic Center and the VMA and really look at the bonding potential at that point, I think, to supplement that need. Because I don't think we can catch up fast enough, even with huge investments that we're making, like the $30 million, I don't think we can really get to the top of the hill very quickly unless we don't look at bonding. So I'd like to kick that off with maybe a board subcommittee later this year or early next year, because I don't think it's too soon to start planning for that next three to, year, three to six year period. Um, I did wanna just make one comment um, there was a comment about the sheriff's budget increasing, 
And I just want the public to know the sheriff's budget increased because we agreed to a, a, a salary increase with the sheriff's union, and this reflects that increase. And that's what that that's what that increase is for. Something we've already agreed to. So I wanted to make that comment. Um, you know, a couple of specific things. I keep mentioning this: visitor service and infrastructure in West Marin has had a limited investment for many decades. And I presented a 10-year, $10, $10 million visitor infrastructure plan uh, to this board and to the CAO and to the state and federal representatives. And I want to continue to ask for support for that, uh, looking at the TOT funding and how it can be returned to the district that generates it in some form or fashion. Uh, my district generates about $6 million a year for the general fund. And we've really fail, failed to meet those infrastructure needs, although we have been able to capture some funding in recent budgets, and I'm very happy to be able to have that. Um, this is really an equity issue for West Moran, and I think we need to treat it that way. So I can look forward to continuing to working with Matthew's office and, and the board to maybe find a solution to that. Um, and then, uh, again, thanks to our communities for continuing to support us. And at the end of the day, our, measure, our progress is measured at how well we provide our services to our residents and meet the needs of our low-income communities. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Supervisor Rice. Um, let's see. Well, this is my 13th budget. And um, I probably will. Um, and I made some notes for some remarks, and I'm sure I'll go off script. I'll try to be brief, but that never seems to work. <laughs> Um, uh, just a, um, a thank you to all, um, all the, the department heads and the folks who are behind you and with you and do the work um, back in whatever, wherever your offices are, out in the field, and the community partners that you work with. Um, we have so many community partners that help us um, deliver the services that we are required and mandated to provide and those that um, where we have augmented. And then the members of the public who are here today and show up in other ways um, uh, during the course of the year. Your input and your advocacy uh, on your specific issues or general uh, comments are always um, keep us uh, mindful. And uh, we spend a lot of time in Big Pink, though we're out in the field. And it's really, really important for us to hear from the folks that we don't run into uh, on a daily basis or aren't necessarily just in our district. Um, I. Um, Pretty much, I, Matthew, your coverage of um, sort of overview of this budget as it sits between um, in this binder, um, I think covers everything that I would highlight normally. I mean, the, the, the historic um, discipline that the county's applied with regards to managing the monies, the revenues, either ongoing or one time that it has, I think, um, you know, that is, that is your world, that is your lane, Matthew and team. And uh, it's really important um, that we that you keep us that disciplined. Um, I also think of the budget as it's it's almost like a snapshot. Shot. It's a moment in time. It's reflecting uh, what we are doing. It is sort of the roadmap for what we're going to be doing going forward, dollars wise, in the two years ahead. But also that two years is part of a much much longer throw and path. And um, I just want to, you know, in the early pages of the budget, you break out, um, or Josh or whoever did, whoever did the writing there, 
sort of the, the progress we've made, um, the investments we're making in this go round, but also the progress we've made in sort of in our board and our community's top priorities. And of course, that's not all the work that, that we've done. But those breakouts, um, whether it's around uh, our investment in affordable and workforce housing or addressing homelessness or wildfire risk and disaster preparedness, it really shows that um, this identifying priorities um, that are reflecting community interest and values and then being disciplined in implementing long-range planning towards addressing them, we're really, we are moving the dial. Um, and I, I just, um, it can be, to me, um, I don't know about for the public, but it can be overwhelming when, when I look at and hear from the public in terms of the challenges we face, everything from you know, homelessness to an aging population to sea level rise to wildfire risk, what have you. Um, but over time and with discipline and focus, we are making a difference and moving the dial and then um, and making adjustments as we go along. And I appreciate the download uh, and the reflection on where we are in terms of addressing um, our age forward uh, needs and that the things that have brought come up really surfaced more in the last year or two in terms of specifics around addressing an aging population. That just shows, I think, the ability that while you have a Titanic and a, um, a budget and a disciplined leadership, um, there is room to pivot and to um, expand in places maybe you hadn't anticipated in, in, in the past. Uh, and they do end towards addressing our challenges. So I just, um, it's an important document in terms of what it says about our values. It also is an important document about in terms of ensuring that we have the funding necessary to actually pay the people who are doing the work. And I, I just want to underscore um, to the employees that spoke today and have spoken in the past, um, you are appreciated. Uh, we know folks have been stressed and stretched. Um, I think we want to truly fairly compensate and appreciate, uh, but nothing will go as far as filling all our positions and then making sure we're not asking our employees to do more than they are, frankly, capable of. Um, capacity is important. Intention is great, funding's great, but you better make sure you have the capacity to pull it off. So I think that that's one of the important that's one of the things I've been thinking about going forward is that um, we make sure that we match our capacity uh, with our intent. Um, and then I think, um, th and I'm not going to get into specifics, I'm uh, on board with all of our one-time allocations, Matthew, the things that have come up um, and um, that sort of next step items. Um, um, but I do, I really think that this next budget cycle informed by that community survey and the strategic planning. I, I think um, we're going to see a little bit, I don't, not a course correct, but again, um, adjustment. I think the next decade is really, really important. And I think the budget development we've done and the work we've done in the last five, ten years has been really important and gone really well. And we've, and we've, we've made progress. And even in the face of COVID, which actually had silver linings, it taught us a lot. But I think that um, the next 10 years are going to be really important. And this strategic planning, community survey, and budget development upcoming is going to set us on sort of the next, um, the next leg of this journey, as it were, uh, in county government. And then lastly, I just want to say, and I, I think I um, kind of hit on this at the beginning, uh, I, can go, I go home 
sometimes feeling pretty overwhelmed, unlike we are at, as the Board of Supervisors and county government being asked to solve a lot, a lot of issues, societal issues that are beyond our mandate, beyond our capacity and capability to address, um, but nevertheless feel a responsibility. And I am reminded, um, again, by going back to this binder and looking at the accomplishments that have been accumulated over years, it's never just the county or this budget or these dollars or the people who work for us. It is a combination of local government, uh, individuals out within the community, our, our uh, service partners, our CBOs, it is a combination. And I think that the two areas that highlight this the best for me, the one is, is our wildfire um, work uh, on reducing our wildfire risk. And really, it, the, the clarion call was not just to local government, it was to everybody. It was to all layers of our community. We all have a responsibility. And I think these biggest issues, homelessness, housing, climate change, all of them, the, the ones that we're asked to solve, um, addressing our aging community's needs, they are not gonna be solved by county government alone, and we all have to take responsibility somewhere. So when I see we've made progress in some areas, I have hope, and maybe I'll be able to sleep tonight feeling like it all doesn't rest on our shoulders. So anyway, a job well done um, to all involved. Thank you. Supervisor Sackett. Thank you so much. So I want to start by um, appreciating the employees who spoke today and just recognize um, and thank our employees who show up every day and have through um, some difficult times. Um, what was encouraging to hear from the employees is their passion and commitment to work here and real wanting to work here and to stay. And I think um, that's an awesome thing to hear. The undertone I also heard is housing. And so um, I, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more, but I think that that's one of our societal issues in Marin that it Im impacts all of us, but it really um, does not skip over our um, county employees. Um, I want to thank Josh for your work on this budget um, and the entire budget team in the CAO's office. I know there was a lot of late nights to make this a tangible, readable um, document that added up um, to sound fiscal policy. Um, I will say it again, I feel very fortunate to be in a position where we have one-time funds to use, we have reserves, and we have a, a path that is... Um, where we can make decisions, but we, you know, we're not um, at the bottom or the top. I think it's um, really encouraging and a great place to be. The focus on continuous improvement is um, really important, um, and I, I think we need to continue to use data-driven decisions, but also ground truth those within our community to make sure that the, the data is telling us the right stories. Um, and I also want to ensure that we are looking at the data when it is favorable and also when it's showing stagnation or it's, or it's showing that we aren't going in the right direction and take those opportunities to turn. And I think how we, you know, how we ground truth that is engaging with our citizens and our residents. Um, and the survey, I think, is one piece of that. Um, but I also think it's talking to those um, of our employees who are working in, on the front lines and it's direct service providers to s ask them and to hear from them where we are missing opportunities, where they are having to say no because 
the funding stream dictates that they can't help the person who walks in the door. I think it's that, that there's oftentimes an opportunity to learn. Um, I think we also have an opportunity to look for grants in a couple of places where we don't, we aren't putting a focus on um, looking for grant funding. And it, I think it, it can't just be anecdotal um, or on the side, it needs to be intentional. Um, looking for grants, and I think one thing we hear from so many of our community partners is the need for assistance when we, when there are grants. Um, and so I wanna look at that in, in future years of how can we support our CBOs and our smaller organizations um, and frankly municipalities and jurisdictions on when there are these big grant opportunities. I think the CDA, um, TAM, um, and I know there's others part of that collaboration at the using, looking at the federal funds and the EV charging infrastructure is a great example of kind of everybody coming, oh, it's cool the earth as well, <laughs> coming together to say how can we leverage this federal funding when you know, any one of the entities is gonna struggle to do it alone. Um, so I won't go through everything. I, I have a lot of thoughts on everything, but I'm really pleased with what we've been presented with. Um, I do wanna say that um, I'm excited about the additional eligibility worker making that in a, a full-time position with um, in-home supportive services. I agree with Supervisor Rodoni. I wanna see us maximize our federal and state contribution on the IHSS wages um, through those negotiations. I'd like to see us get to 1850 by January if we can, um, but then continue to maximize those contributions. Um, I think we talked about aging and adult services. Um, so on housing, I'm really excited that we're turning some of these one-time contributions to our housing trust fund into a more permanent um, and ongoing contribution that's gonna be in our budget. I think that's incredibly important. And I don't think we can stop there. Um, you know, District 1 has two housing developments in the works right now. Both are very high on um, um, not inclusion. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're very high on creating market right housing and very low on really uh, real affordability. And I don't have all the solutions on how we can flip that switch so that we are creating workforce housing market you know, middle market opportunities for our workforce to live here, for our teachers to work here. Um, that is building community by creating that housing here. And I, I don't, you know, every, it's all about the pencil and I think it really is gonna require government contribution and, and I think that's dollars from Housing Trust Fund but I also think it's collaboration, it's waivers, it's looking for our land and opportunities and um, maximizing that wherever we can. So I'm glad to see that focus and we just have to keep going um, to tackle that workforce. Um, and as we know that Marin is kind of, as a result of um, ABAG and RENA, gonna start to look different. Um, I hope that we will have this workforce housing. And so I'm excited that this budget includes an active transportation planner because I think as we increase housing, we need to make sure that our streets are multimodal and that we have it, that people can get out of their cars and take smart and take public transit and walk and bike um, so that we can keep the communities that we love 
um, and cherish in the trees and so forth. Um, and that's really requiring an active transportation planner to bring our jurisdictions and our um, infrastructure together into a seamless system. Um, you know, I, I was reflecting that climate used to be a separate topic. Um, and what are we doing on climate? And I, it, it kind of listening over the last few days, I feel like climate is now part of every department. It's certainly a part of fire. It's part of wildfire. It's part of CDA, sea level rise. It's certainly part of DPW from, you know, drought to now, um, the result of all this rain. And so it, I think it, it's really changed from what are we doing for one thing on climate, but what are we doing everywhere? So I hope we will continue to look at the issue of resiliency, community resilience hubs. If that, if that is a place for microgrids to continue to look at that and how, again, we can support our jurisdictions and more um, readily utilize grant funding, but also resources because it's electrification is complex. Um, and so how can we work together on that? Um, I really appreciate that this budget acknowledges that we have to do um, something um, with our juvenile justice system and where we house our young people who need some place to be. And so I really look forward in engaging on that topic with Supervisor Lucan, spending time in juvenile hall. We're gonna take an opportunity in August to look at a couple of other facilities and surrounding jurisdictions and start that dialogue on um, what is the next step? I know it won't be a short or quick process, but um, I, I look forward in engaging in that. Um, so in closure, this is my first budget, um, and I am you know, humbled to have a very small piece in approving this um, piece of the pie, and I appreciate the opportunity to be part of the county family, and I look forward to all that we're gonna accomplish in 23-24. Supervisor Lucan. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, collectively, between Supervisor Rice and myself, this is my 14th budget. Um, <laughs> her 13th, my first. <laughs> Got some good math experts out there. Um, no, this is, um, I, I don't know if people get excited about budgets. Um, you're here in this room, so that's good. But there's a lot of exciting things in this budget, um, both that we are uh, sustaining our core services, make sure that we're continuing to provide those and the great services we provide to our residents, uh, but then really leveraging one-time funds uh, with, with what I see as an even balance between being proactive as a county and also being responsive to our county. Uh, we hear a lot of things. It'd be easy to take all of our one-time funds and just be responsive to the things that we're hearing, but we also have to be proactive about things that maybe we're not hearing from our community, but we know that needs to be done. Uh, our community might not be coming to us and saying, well, you need to put away you know, $1.2 million in a state, uh, um, state revenue budget reserve, but we know those are, that's good government. Those are things that we need to do. They might not be coming to us and saying, well, you need to start doing phase one of your Civic Center HVAC improvements. Those aren't things that our community sees, uh, but we know the importance of doing those things. And there's that fine balance between being proactive and being responsive to our community. We've got both of those uh, in our budget. A couple highlights for me, looking at uh, increasing our annual contribution to our capital improvement program, um, bringing our living wage up to $18 per hour. Uh, we know that the IHSS conversation is coming later on this year. I'd like to echo the comments from some of my fellow supervisors. I do think as we come to that, we want to make sure that we are uh, not leaving money on the table uh, where it can be reimbursed uh, from the state uh, and, and 
leverage that the most that we can to make sure that we're providing the strongest service we can for our community. Whoops, I should have turned that off. Um, also, being responsive to our community about AB 1185 uh, and, and funding that uh, so that we can roll that out. That's a, a great example of how we've been hearing from our community over the past several years uh, so that we can roll that out. Civic Center and VMA modernization at $30 million, uh, some historic dollars there um, to really address some of the longstanding issues. A homeless encampment and city-county partnership at $2.5 million, coupled with uh, the additional state grants, the encampment resolution fund grants that we just received, I think are really key to addressing issues around our county, in particular in District 5. Uh, along those lines, I think one of the reasons we're we've been effective in getting these dollars is because we have focused on encampment resolution. That's what the program is called. It's not about encampment relocation. It's not about chasing unhoused individuals uh, from different places all around our county. We're not just simply looking to relocate individuals to an unhoused situation elsewhere. We're looking to resolve the situation and get them into housing. Uh, and that's been a heavy focus of our county and one that I'm 100% uh, behind. Um, additional one-time employee retention incentives we heard from our employees today, um, and I, I've, I know there'll be future conversations with that. I'm glad that we're setting some money aside to figure out how we can uh, address some of the things that we've heard, uh, be responsive, and also make sure that our employees feel appreciated. Um, excited about the economic vitality coordinator position. I think we've been hearing about this from our business community for some time. Uh, it's a way to really support our small and, and medium-sized businesses, uh, give back and invest in our local economy. Um, so as I mentioned, there's a lot of things in this budget to be excited about. Uh, if you get excited about budgets, um, our affordable housing trust fund, um, funding that at $5 million a year ongoing, in addition to the nearly $7.5 million that we put in there um, from our 2021-2022 um, budget from some additional savings there, I think really sets us up as a county to be nimble, to be flexible when these needs come up. Uh, in cities, towns, or unincorporated areas, we can move quickly uh, to ensure that we can preserve units or also build new affordable units. Uh, looking forward, two areas uh, where I see there's a continued opportunity, not in this budget, but just planting a seed for future budgets, uh, is around early childhood education. Uh, there's some great work taking place right now in the county, um, partly with Marine Community Foundation, First Five, uh, other organizations to look at uh, really the state of the union of early childhood education here in the county of Marin. Um, it's going to take some time to put that report together to really understand, um, you know, what are the areas of opportunity. Um, so no ask yet, but I do think the county has a very important role to play in this. Uh, when full-time child care for, uh, you know, one, you know, three-year-old is, is north of $20,000 a year, um, that's not something that many in our county can afford. Um, and I think there's, there's things that we can do to make that more affordable, and that also starts to address the equity issues we have in our county. Uh, and then last one, just a, a, a little small item, uh, talking about uh, workplace investments. Um, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity in my five months here to uh, uh, join with several different uh, affinity groups or departments at their luncheons and barbecues, and every time I do that, I see smiling faces, I see people out and about socializing together, uh, and that's something that's great that our departments put on, that our affinity groups put on, uh, but we don't have that Monday through Friday here at the Civic Center, and, and I, I think there is an opportunity um, with some placemaking, with some uh, food options, um, with other ways to keep people on campus, uh, also recognizing we now have more and more employees at other campuses, um, so I don't think it's uh, doing food service here the same way we've done it in the past, 
Um, but I do think there's an opportunity here as everybody's returning to the workforce to create those, those places where we can come together, we, we can socialize, we can connect with the in individuals, not just you know, coworker to coworker, but uh, individual to individual. Uh, those are really important in any sort of workplace setting. So um, there's an opportunity for that in the future. So thank you. Um, it's been uh, kudos to the entire staff and team uh, for putting this all together and glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. So I'll finish up. I also want to appreciate our county administrator and Josh and our whole budget team, all of the departments, all of you out there. Thank you for the hard work. As I learned coming to this county, sort of budget process is a 12-month-a-year uh, thing we do. So we never we put one to bed and we start thinking about the next one. But it's a good planning and management tool, and I appreciate that, Matthew, that that's how it's used. I want to observe that um, coming out of the COVID years, which were certainly some of the most challenging in my lifetime, probably all of ours. Uh, there were those silver linings. Uh, because we had prudent budget management, thank you again, team, uh, we were able to take the ARPA dollars, which were uh, frankly a windfall, and put them, save them, and set them aside for some of these big ticket items and some of these new programs and initiatives. And that's a wonderful position to be able to be in. Uh, I also want to acknowledge this team up here. What a wonderful collegial board we have. You can get the sense of cohesion and sense of mission that is unified up here. Uh, we all could have probably been repeating each other's words for the most part, and I, and I really appreciate that. It's, it's fantastic to have this kind of cohesion with this team and this team and this team, and we have it. So uh, I am really excited about this budget. Eric, I'm one of those people who gets excited about budget. Uh, but I, and I appreciate it because this is, uh, well, it's year number three and budget number three, I guess, too. Uh, but this budget incorporates all the things that I really felt passionate about when I came into the job three years ago, the needs that we have in Southern Marin, but throughout the county are all manifested here. It is really satisfying to see that happen in what is a short, really relatively short time. So I, I wanna just touch on a few things. We talked about the senior initiatives and I think those are so important. I'm really gratified to see those front and center in this budget and ongoing work to develop the concepts. Uh, the equity work has been outstanding. We've really made a good start at this. I think we all know uh, two years into this, we will be at this for many years to really fully, um, to really fully live the dream we're all trying to create. But I know we can get there. I want to appreciate the work of the AB 1185 Working Group and the Human Rights Commission and, and uh, the sheriff and Jamila, all of them. Uh, this is an important uh, step that we're taking, and it's it's a complex one. Uh, but we do pretty well at complexity when we put our focus and attention on it. Um, I wanted to observe uh, going forward that we we've identified in our communities that there are e equity issues and equitable delivery of services. And those are as important as anything we do here in the county offices addressing those, and we all know that and are part of it. I think that it would make some sense going forward to develop a way of identifying and capturing the funding and the services and the projects that the county is providing to Marin City, to the Canal, to West Marin, and to North Nevada. And somehow, you know, raising up the investments that we are making in these communities, looking at the services, so again, that we see there's consistency and coherence across the county, 
but also appreciating uh, the value of what the work we are doing in these communities, which does need to be a focus and will, I think, give us a partnership with the Community Foundation and our community partners that is more tangible and, uh, and more actionable to move the needle forward in the coming years. I'm going to say a little more about equity in the Marin City community in a minute. Well, no, I'm gonna say it now. Um, I am really happy, uh, Benita, about the Health and Human Services Hub in Marin City that, and to everyone who's been a part of that. That's been long in coming. Uh, it's getting closer and closer to making the vision of reality. Uh, but just as Supervisor Radoni has done, bringing services to West Marin to meet people where they are, this is a really important development, not only for Marin City, but for all of Southern Marin. Transit and transportation are an issue. They are barriers. Putting the services where people are is a way to overcome those barriers. Similarly, at Golden Gate Village, we now have a little community center there where we are providing services. Thank you again, Health and Human Services, and everyone, probation, and everyone who is in there now bringing services directly to the community to access them. Uh, the Community Empowerment Fund that will complement the development work at Golden Gate Village is a wonderful development. Again, it's very groundbreaking. We're working in partnership with the residents to figure out the use of these funds for education, for financial aid, for job training and job placement. Again, another way to elevate our communities and really help move the needle forward for the people who live there. Similarly, uh, Health and Human Services and Sheriff's Department, County Fire have been so helpful on Richardson Bay with the Anchor Out community that has lived there. Uh, many of you know, we, uh, as recently as 2016, we had 200 vessels out there on the bay, occupied and unoccupied. We're down to 84 now that are all occupied and we've received funding for a new state voucher program, very innovative, that will allow us to transition people into housing on land with support services much qu more quickly for a year while we then uh, uh, sign these people up and move through the application process for Section 8 vouchers for permanent supportive housing. So there's a lot of innovation. It has been a lot of work. Gary and Darian, thank you particularly for your help in moving through this and for also for helping our city partners uh, in Sausalito with their encampment issues that were really, really challenging. And we've developed a wonderful model now of encampment resolution, as, as Supervisor Lucan said. Um, I'm excited also about deepening our support for local businesses with the new economic vitality position that has been funded. And I look forward to the work that our staff and our local chambers of commerce and the Marin Economic Forum can do to move forward again to make up for lost ground from COVID, but also see what the future of business in Marin County will look like with more focus and attention. I particularly want us to continue to create more opportunities for home-based businesses, for our, particularly for our low-income entrepreneurs who are ready to get out and do uh, the wonderful creative food uh, and service provision uh, that they do so well. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on housing, but like my colleagues, I'm very appreciative of the money that we've put in. And this is money to leverage with our partners, more affordable housing for all, which we desperately need. I want to call for the creation of a 10-year affordable housing plan, which would be uh, 
incorporating all of our um, our government funding that we have available, uh, but in creating a framework of how we would advance the creation of affordable housing with these dollars and with our community partners. And uh, we can't pick the locations all the time, but we can be more strategic in looking at the dollars we have, the partners we have, and perhaps figuring out where sites could be uh, and encouraging private and nonprofit developers to work with us to create the housing we need. Uh, I want to thank uh, the departments in uh, public works and fire and uh, parks. You're doing great work. You checked all the boxes for things that we needed in, uh, in Southern Marin in the county. And I want to acknowledge the, the traffic and safety work that we're doing uh, and, is, and the advancing of bike ped work. Thank you, Mary, for bringing the active transportation planner. And I'm particularly interested in the nexus of uh, road work and sea level rise planning because we know it's coming and our road network is actually probably one of our best for, uh, defense mechanisms in some areas. I'm gonna wrap up and just say we can't do what we do at the county without a strong, uh, appreciated, and, and, uh, and talented workforce. And so as my colleagues have said, I wanna make sure that the uh, the retention bonuses get out there that we attend to the needs of our employees with childcare and other incentives um, because without them we couldn't do anything. Um, finally, uh, as some have said, uh, it's a little inside baseball, but things like expanded communications, strategic plans, continuous improvement, these are the internal gears that are really important to moving our organization forward. I appreciate the attention. Uh, so again, thank you to everyone in this room for your involvement in this process. It's great to be a part of this team and a very successful budget. Okay, thank you. I think with that, we have an action to adopt the budget. Yes, I'll just draw your attention to the uh, final budget uh, letter dated June 22nd and the three actions that are outlined in the letter. So if we could have a motion and it, it's a, uh, adopting the final budget, including the Schedule 12 for special districts, uh, accepting the five-year capital plan, and adopting the resolution ordering the final budget uh, and the adjustments uh, and decreases approved by the board um, as outlined in staff report. And just in one motion? May. So move. Second. Moved by Bradoni, second by Rice. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Very good. We have a budget. Thank you, supervisors. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. I think with that, we are adjourned. <laughs>